1: Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 775 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly, Brittany Page.
2: Here we are. We want to, before we get started here, talk about our appearance on another podcast that we had last week. Film Crickets.
1: Film Crickets. Crickets.
2: Film Crickets podcast with Jay and Chris. And we were on there talking about Beverly Hills Cop.
1: Which, haven't we talked about having watched that on this show recently?
2: I, I think so. Because we, we watched it, well, we watched it twice last year. Twice
1: last year meaning in the last couple of months of 2021. Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Once was on Christmas. We talk about that uh, on Film Crickets. Yeah. But if you are interested in hearing us talk about a movie, hearing us talk about Beverly Hills Cop, then go and check out Film Crickets and the episode that we were on. And it's a movie review podcast where they talk about whether or not various movies hold up. So if you are interested in checking out the show and whether or not various movies hold up, check out Film Crickets. Also,
1: as you can imagine, we could not help but... Diverge into. We veered into politics here and there.
2: Happens. It happens. Just
1: a little bit.
2: Yeah, it happens to the best of us.
1: Well, especially when you're talking about a movie that talks about the 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 disparities in wealth and the different communities and policing and everything else. Yeah, you're. I mean, it's not. Some dopey Johnny Depp movie that's fantasy. Yes. It's, you know, there's real issues to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a
2: good time. Yeah. So thank you to Jay and Chris of Film Crickets for having us on, and we will put a link to that episode in the show notes for today. I think before we get started, we should just uh, update the audience on the current drama unfolding with Joe Rogan. Because the
1: current drama,
2: we of course have been talking about the Joe Rogan podcast and his re- chill. his response to the criticism of platforming COVID skeptics and spreading misinformation, and his latest troubles resulted from a mashup that was circling the internet of him using the N word several times,
1: which then in turn resulted in. Spotify removing like 70, just this weekend, 70 episodes of his show from their platform.
2: Last I read, that count was up to 113. Wow. Yeah.
1: And we don't know, I don't think anybody has pinpointed that every single one of those episodes involves him using the N-word. Right. But it's certainly something problematic that they don't want, they want to try to squelch the controversy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they are standing by Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan issued another apology video related to the inward controversy.
1: I just wanted to make a video real quick.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he also had to address some racist comments that came up as well a Planet of the Apes joke that he made. Uh, Was it a joke? I don't know. A story that he's telling. And uh, another comment that surfaced where he was talking to someone who said that they uh were the product of a I believe a black dad and a white mom and Joe Rogan said something like oh that's great you get the body of a black man and the mind of a white person. Yeah, you get
1: the you you get the genetics from the body of a black person but the brain of a white person. Yeah. And then he tries to like he I think he realizes it midstream it seems and he says oh no no not that not that the black people are dumber it's just different Your, right. their brains are different yeah when, so we need to say i uh, no, they're not
2: <laughs> yeah so i mean i i don't know i don't know how many of these things need to pile up before people realize who and what joe rogan is and how he's not someone who's worth Listening to I don't know that that's going to happen anytime soon given that Spotify is standing by him. Everyone is rallying behind him. Yeah, by everyone. I mean all of the usual suspects that have been defending him. I remember I signed on to Twitter Uh, When the inward thing was breaking and I'm like, okay, all these people that were defending Joe Rogan with the covid misinformation, I wonder what this is going to look like now. And it looked like doubling down in their defense. Sam
1: Harris, even. Yeah. I mean, not Sam Harris, even Sam Harris. Mm -hmm. Of course, Sam Harris.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He released a 20 minute uh, video on YouTube that I unfortunately listened to. You are so, a
1: glutton for punishment, man.
2: Uh, yeah. I like to be in the know. Yeah, for some you do. For some reason. It doesn't even benefit me in any way. But so here I, we are.
1: I'm okay not being in the know about certain things. I just <laughs> fucking let them happen.
2: It's okay. I'll tell you all about it, okay?
1: I I know that that is the case.
2: You can hear it from me. Indeed. <laughs> so I think we have some listener communication.
1: We do. Um, the first thing is going to be about... Parents' education, all of this is actually kind of related to the same topic, and that is the, the drive, the push, the motivation, the, the conspiring of conservatives to ban certain books in the veiled effort to, or the, how, they, how they're saying it is to, quote-unquote, protect the kids, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So the first call is about parents and how they don't own their kids, and then the others are specifically about book banning.
0: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is uh, Josh, a uh, big fan of the show. Um, Listen to you guys for like a long time. I'm calling about the last week, or this past episode and the thing with like the DeSantis and, and, and Texas stuff. Now, how fucking stupid that shit is, because it, this is one of the things that drives me nuts, is that like, if parents that like, think or have this perception that they own their children. And it's like, there's a reason why it's called when you're in charge of a, of a kid that you're not the parent of, you're the guardian, meaning you're responsible for the child. You don't own the child, meaning that you have a, an obligation to educate them in reality. And this isn't doing that. it drives me nuts. And, and like the state backs it up and all the other shit. I really want that, that to stop happening, um, especially since I do live in Florida and this is a fucking stupid-ass place. It's, like, a good place to be from. You just it, catch my drift. Um, anyway, uh, Brittany's the best part. I love the show. Hope you guys have a really good one. Uh, that's it. Bye. Love the show.
3: Brittany's the best part.
1: Bye. You know, there, there is a fine line here, and obviously parents don't own their children. Mm-hmm. But there is a fine line of of when does unusual teaching become child abuse? If you teach your kid something outlandish that's going to harm them, that seems child abuse-y. not Gary Busey, but child abusey. Mm. And if you're, but 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 if you're you're teaching them some weird cultish religion then is that your, like, where does child abuse begin? Where does it start fading into that territory? Mm-hmm. And some of these things I, I believe are, and I don't know. I'm not going to name a list here, but at some point when you're, when you're feeding your kid disinformation or propaganda or lies or conspiracies or racism somewhere along the line there, it, it, it does verge into child abuse territory.
2: Are you referring to child abuse, like calling child protective services and having a child removed?
1: Well, I'm I, I'm not a, a mandated reporter, and mm-hmm. a state is probably not going to do that. I'm just talking about um, common sense. It would seem that at some point, it should be considered child abuse.
2: In terms of should be considered child abuse, and like there should be. A way to have that acted upon. Yeah, to... I'm,
1: I'm not saying it is that way now, mm-hmm. but it seems, in a common sense way, mm-hmm. that you one would logically conclude certain teachings to children can be considered child abuse or should be considered child abuse. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as the ownership thing, I, I mean, I think that's probably millions of parents out there believe they own their children
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that they control the outcome.
2: Well, I think you see that a lot in parents' inability to cope with the fact that their children are independent people who are going to have their own beliefs and opinions and live their lives in the way that they see fit and not necessarily in a way that the parent agrees. And sometimes that creates a a problem in the relationship with a parent and a child. And I, I think you see something like what Josh described When a parent struggles with that, with their child becoming their own person. And maybe it is because they feel a sense of ownership. Maybe they feel let down, like they didn't do a good enough job because their child isn't emulating them and doing exactly as they were instructed Mm -hmm. as a child. But it is important for kids to be able to differentiate themselves from their parents and to go on and have the life that it's going to be most fulfilling for them.
1: Sure. Uh, thanks for the call, Josh. We appreciate it very much. Uh, moving on, more directly addressing book bands.
3: Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. It's your boy, Rock, from Germany. Um, I'm just answering your question about uh, books on from episode 775, I believe. And, yeah, the book that strikes me really good uh, and still kind of has me, I guess you'd say, on my toes in my adult life, is a book called Bloods, and it has nothing to do with gangs. Uh, It's about uh, African-Americans and whatnot in the military, or I should say more African-Americans in the military around the time of Korea and Vietnam. And uh, a lot of the perspectives are from frontline troops or people that became frontline troops, um, for people of color, uh, without getting too much into it. And if you've seen the movie um, I believe it's called yeah Dead Presidents, one of the one of the books in that book or I guess you say chapter set in that book deals with the the same gentleman in, in that movie uh, Dead Presidents where hey, we're supposed to be on the same side here but yet we're still fu- uh, looking at racism back at home. And the reason why it kind of is relevant to me because when I see older gentlemen I work with or older soldiers and whatnot. It's uh, A lot of them trying to be like, well, hey, my father did this, my father did all. Yeah, but these situations, those people are still around. And even when I was in the Marine Corps a while ago, you still have people like that. Like, they're, they're supposed to be your brothers, but in an instant, they'll basically string you up or treat you like shit, even though it's like, hey, you realize this is the wrong way of thinking. You join an organization like this, but you still think this backwards. So uh yeah that book's a good read if you guys haven't read it I highly suggest it uh, Jesse might get kicked out of there and a few and actually it's good history in there too uh, so I'm, I'm not gonna be shocked if that book is on the list of things and not to read from these stupid states some so many stupid states and places. Well let me stop yammering on you guys uh, have a good evening or morning Jesse uh, you're not the best part because Brittany is, but you are my favorite part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So what if that book,
1: thank you, Rock. What if that book is one of the ones that's on the the chopping block mm. because of going to make someone uncomfortable?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I don't know exactly what the book's about, but I know that there are probably lots of curriculums and lots of people across the country who don't want the horrible manner with which we've we've treated soldiers, airmen, sailors, marines of color in this country, returning veterans from World War II who weren't able to get home loans that were guaranteed them by the GI Bill, mm-hmm. they weren't able to take advantage of that particular benefit that white people were. Mm-hmm. And this is a again the, talking about that isn't CRT? It's fucking history.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I love hearing from the audience about the books that really impacted them. We got a
1: bunch of emails and a bunch of calls.
2: Yeah. And I think there should almost be like an ongoing conversation about these books that have impacted the audience when they were younger, because we can just make like a, I doubt it, Banned book list. (laughs) I just wrote down Bloods. I'm
1: going to buy it on Amazon.
2: Yeah. So awesome recommendation. And we still want to hear from you on this. If there's a book that you read when you were younger that maybe had quote unquote mature themes that really impacted you, really benefited you, we want to hear about it. 657-464-7609 or it at com.
5: Hey, guys. Ben from San Diego here. I just wanted to call in and comment on the book bans that you guys talked about in the last episode and particularly kind of how the types of people that are at these city meetings and school board meetings yelling about uh, not sexualizing our children, those types of things. These are also the same people that are obsessed with things like gender reveal parties um, and will literally go around telling anyone that will listen about how much they're fucking Um, As long as they're wording it in the way of, oh, we're trying to have a baby. And they're also the same people that will ask, you know, five and six year old boys how many girlfriends they have at school or five and six year old girls, how many little boyfriends they have at school. They exist to sexualize children as long as it's heteronormative and queer people don't do that. Queer people really just want to have acknowledgement that we exist, you know? So it's just really bizarre that this is the turn it's taking. I mean, it's not really bizarre. These are This is what these people do. They're using that as a way to oppress queer people and people of color continuously. Uh, I just thought that was a interesting observation. Love you guys. Bye.
2: That reminded me of it's like this this t shirt that I saw one time in my feed on some sort of pregnancy announcement. And it was something like three pumps daddy, one part mommy. Oh <laughs> like announcing the Yeah. The, which is like a surreptitious own of her husband, I guess. I don't know. But um
1: I've even seen it like on a onesie. Yeah, like I'm. I came from my dad's balls, or you know, it doesn't say that, but it's it's something that's attempting to be cutesy, which is communicating, right? Yeah, I came in the lady, and then I got born, yeah. or my dad came in my mom. Or yeah, something. it's. Uh... But again, these are the Ben is correct. These yeah. are the people who own those T-shirts, who are the ones who are saying, just don't throw it in my face. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see two dudes kissing. Don't put it in my face. Yeah. But don't mind talking about two pump chump yeah. and making a kid.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, good times.
1: Great perspective. Yeah. Absolutely great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ben. We appreciate it. If you would like to sound off, we invite you to take part in this conversation, all these conversations that we have about the many topics that we talk about. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get to a little bit of follow-up, Brittany Page.
2: Yes, so we have some good news related to the safe injection sites that we have talked about on previous episodes. Two supervised injection sites opened in New York City, and since they opened at the end of 2021, they have reversed more than 125 overdoses. Which
1: is something remarkable above what they... projected to save like they thought that would be like after five years they'd save a hundred or so lives right something like that i
2: think they had estimated a hundred in a year
1: yeah and, and it was like within weeks yeah they'd saved a hundred lives
2: yeah so now we are in a situation where the justice department is signaling that it may be open to allowing safe injection sites
6: Also new tonight, the Justice Department is signaling it might be open to allowing so-called safe injection sites for those who use drugs. Safe injection sites allow people to use intravenous drugs and other narcotics with protections against the fatal overdose. A trained medical professional is also on site. The Justice Department said it's evaluating such facilities and talking to regulators about appropriate guardrails. Stephen Murray is a paramedic and member of the organization SIFMA, which has been lobbying state lawmakers to allow these centers in Massachusetts.
0: It's been cited uh, by Governor Baker before as one of the reasons that he didn't want to support uh, these sites moving forward was uh,
6: due to the, the federal government. So Murray sees this as a new step toward getting these sites approved by lawmakers on Beacon Hill. He also points out that safe injection sites have a proven record of saving lives. And he says they can also save taxpayers' dollars because less people experience drug overdoses that can land them in the hospital. Fewer. Fewer. That was a fewer.
2: Fewer people. Yeah. (laughs) So a little bit of uh, how the sausage is made. Sorry, I hate it, but uh, there's no other way to phrase it. Um... The, I listened to several news packages. I was,
1: try, I was desperately trying to come up with some kind of a, a two-pump joke there with a sausage, but, but I couldn't. I saw. I couldn't in time. I
2: saw. I saw. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to several news packages about this Justice Department move, and I chose this one even though it was kind of Massachusetts-centric mm-hmm. because the others that I listened to were very aggressive, and even out of San Francisco... Like I listen.
1: stigmatizing...
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Stigmatizing the population of drug users. I mean, the news package out of San Francisco was the most surprising because you'd think that they would be in support of something like this. I mean, they were showing B-roll footage of people sweeping up syringes off the street, And again, that it's like
1: is... It's like they brought in Tommy Laren to do the, oh, there's hypos everywhere.
2: Yeah, but listen, if if that's your concern, right, you don't want needles on the streets, then you should be right here yeah. supporting safe injection sites because that is what it is designed to prevent.
1: Which is the least of the benefit. The most of the benefit is saving human
4: Lives.
2: Absolutely. But if we're speaking their language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, this uh report that was published by the bipartisan US Commission on Combating Synthetic Opioid Trafficking found that opioid overdoses are costing the economy one trillion dollars each year in the United States. A thousand
1: billion dollars. Right. Almost uh, well, it's not all it's slightly higher than what we pay for our military every single year. Mm-hmm. The defense budget is what it's costing is what um, drug overdoses are costing the United States
2: so it's tremendous so if people aren't going to care about the more than one hundred thousand people who died of drug overdoses. Last year and the previous year, which was an increase of 30% from the year previous, then maybe the impact on the economy will have them caring about it. I mean, they always say, are taxpayers going to pay for this? Well, taxpayers are already paying for the overdose crisis that's happening now. So isn't it time to start looking at evidence-based procedures that can assist with that? And luckily, the Justice Department seems to be taking the step to make a common sense change.
1: So going back still follow up but let's let's go back uh, to the, to the book bans and the the aggressive fake war against CRT that is absolutely not being taught in elementary schools that is absolutely not being taught in high schools that's not even being taught in undergraduate schools and in, in college um as part of that because now CRT can be anything conservatives want it to be black history month is now in the sights of conservatives blanketing everything in with uh, CRT.
4: With Black History Month underway, there are questions about how new restrictions on diversity education in some states may play out. According to an analysis by Education Week, since last year, 37 states have introduced or passed legislation that puts constraints on what can be taught about racism, sexism, and inequality. Nadra Niddle, education reporter for the 19th, an independent nonprofit newsroom reporting on gender, politics, and policy, joined me to discuss the growing controversy. You know, here we are entering Black History Month, and uh, critical race theory is not being taught in uh, classrooms in America, at least not how it was originally designed. are there consequences to what is being taught in schools today and this month when lots of textbooks are assigned specifically to talk about what happened to black americans
7: definitely and alabama officials have already gotten complaints from some parents who say that celebrating black history month constitutes the teaching of critical race theory. Now, the officials there are not agreeing that it is critical race theory, but just the fact that people now feel comfortable lodging these complaints against a celebration like Black History Month shows the political climate that we're in Um, Also, there's various children's books about Black History Month uh, or, you know, celebrated African-Americans that parents have complained about. So, books about the March on Washington, for example, about Ruby Bridges, the little girl who desegregated um, her school. Also, even biographies of... Michelle Obama and the athlete, Wilma Rudolph. Um, all of these books have gotten complaints.
4: So what's the problem with a, a book about Wilma Rudolph? What, what is objectionable to parents or whoever doesn't think that it should be in a classroom?
7: So that complaint came out of Texas, a suburb of Dallas. And the concern was just that the book mentioned the racism that Rudolph endured in Tennessee during the 1940s. So many of these laws say that you know any references that could make um, students feel uncomfortable, especially white students um, feel uncomfortable in some way uh, about racism or about the history they're being taught, that parents can complain about that. And, and that's what we're seeing, parents saying they're uncomfortable with references to racism.
4: So is there pressure now on school superintendents and even down to the principal level that there are potentially parents that could say, hey, I don't want my kid learning this book uh, during this month or ever?
7: Yes, we do know know some principals have already been forced to resign. In Texas, last fall, a a principal was forced to resign, um, and critical race theory was named as as one of the reasons why I spent the past week talking about principals in light of a new study that came out about the well-being of principals, and those administrators expressed to me um, that they are afraid. One administrator I spoke to was from Virginia, where the governor there um, ha- has not only banned critical race theory, but also set up hotlines that people can call for teaching divisive subjects in school. Virginia, our neighbor.
1: Yeah, Glenn Youngkin. <laughs> well, listen, it, it is it is very strange to me because it, this is one of those things where what if Glenn Youngkin banned... Smoke breaks for first graders. Mm-hmm. Well, there there are no smoke breaks, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of parents who would get oh, oh my god, you're, it's a it's a crazy time. I mean, it's the same. It's all nonsense. And now the dog whistles have gone from dog whistles to bullhorns. This is this is the ultimate objective. Mm-hmm. They don't want Black History taught. Mm-hmm. They don't want Black History Month celebrated. Right. They want to continue to go through their lives saying, "Well, there's no White History Month." We don't have all white colleges. Why do they have historically black universities?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you're actually seeing that in the inward discourse with Joe Rogan. By oh the way. yeah, a lot of people saying, oh, yeah. "Well, if black people can say it, then white people why can't white people say it?" Right, right, right. Even Harris Faulkner on Fox News, a uh, black commentator on Fox News, she was talking about how there needs to be a rule for everyone.
8: Here's the thing about Joe Rogan: I'm never going to come on any air and, you know, sign off on him using the language that he used, because it was terrible. I can't condone the language, but I will defend his right to use it. Although, I'm going to be honest, if we're going to just unilaterally ban anyone who has used these phrases, um, there goes the whole Super Bowl halftime show. There goes Howard Stern. You know
7: what? That's the thing. That's the thing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if if black people are going to use this word in our rap music or wherever it is, then, then what are the rules? Is there a list of people mm-hmm. who use the word? No. Right? I need the list yeah. and I need the rules. Because to me, to me, if a word is a word is a word and it's not going to be used by anybody, then it has to be across the board. And I'm raising children. It would make it really easy yep. to be able to tell my biracial children exactly why that word has been taken off the table with no exception.
8: No question. I, I, I'm in favor of no one saying it. Because when there's a double standard, there's no standard. Well,
7: and it's
1: but, offensive. Yes so harris faulkner who is black wants a list of approved and unapproved words and who's going to make this list Mm -hmm. i I mean is there some authority that's going to do it or is it the fox news executive board Mm -hmm. where where's the list coming from Mm -hmm. harris faulkner what who creating a list would be appropriate
2: mm-hmm.
1: in your eyes?
2: Well, she must really struggle with educating her kids about other words. You know, other <laughs> cuss words. Yeah. When when do you say bitch? You only say that at home. Don't say that. At, you know, or I'm sure she tells her kids like not to say libtard outside of the house, oh, for right. example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that may be one.
1: Or you know, shithole countries. Right. That's a bad one.
2: Yeah. I mean, she gets it with other words. Right. You can have a conversation with your kid about words that they hear, words that adults use, words that are used in this context. I think she can figure this one out.
9: Well, the
1: other thing about the Joe Rogan, this entire thing with the Joe Rogan deal is, and we're, we're back up on it here, is especially when you go online, I know Twitter's not real, real life, but it's a bunch of white people Mm-hmm. Complaining mm-hmm. that they don't get to use the word. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of white people explaining to others why it's not racist or not offensive.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it just, it's not the conversation. Right that they need to be having any part in whatsoever because it doesn't affect them. It doesn't impact them.
2: Well, and these are the people who need Black History Month the most. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, 37 states in that PBS package, 37 states are considering limiting the teaching of racism, sexism, inequality. 37. Under
1: under the guise of CRT, which again is not being
2: Taunt. Well, remember, though, we, we kind of need to move away from talking about CRT because it is becoming more general now. Like you said, they're, they're, they're showing CRT, their two
1: colors. CRT is a thing, though. So they're, 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 they're lumping everything into this CRT bucket that it's not what it is.
2: Right, but they're starting to move away from using critical race theory and they're starting to say divisive topics. Oh, right,
1: right, right. I see what you're saying. Topics that make
2: people uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we always knew it wasn't about CRT because CRT is not being taught. So now they're just becoming more honest Yeah. and actually saying what they mean. It's just topics that they feel are going to make their kids uncomfortable that they don't want taught. And they want to control that.
1: And, And listen, let's also be clear about that. It's not making their kids uncomfortable. Right. It makes them uncomfortable.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Because they know... The, the, they would be the people 50 years ago who were segregating schools, who were out there holding a sign saying race mixing is communism. Mm-hmm. It's these same people who are alive today who didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. They are on the wrong side of history today, and they would have been on the wrong side of history then. Right. All right. Moving on.
5: I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast.
2: We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Lori B. Lori B. Elaine B. Elaine B. Marsha D. Marsha D. Mark C. Mark C. Mario V.
1: What? <laughs> Mario V.
2: Scott R.
1: Scott R.
2: And David R.
1: You're, and David R. Okay, I was going to say you ruined it, Scott R, but no. <laughs> The D's, the V's, the C's, and the B's, and then... uh, The R's. The
2: R's. Yes. So thank you very much to our new Patreon supporters. We appreciate your support and could not do this without you. We would also like to thank our Patreon supporter who increased the pledge, Nicodemus P. Nicodemus P. Thank you so very much for your support of the show.
1: Nico, who has joined us on several Patreon calls.
2: Yes. And do not forget that we have our Patreon calls on the last Saturday of every month, meaning that it will be Saturday, February 26th this month, and that we now have those at 1 o'clock
1: p.m. Eastern Daylight or standard time, whichever it is in the year.
2: Correct. (laughs) 1 p.m. Eastern time. So we really appreciate that you guys have been reaching out. If you haven't received your magnets, please keep those coming. If you have not received your magnet in the mail, please let us know and we will look into that or get you a magnet out ASAP. We just sent a bunch out this week. So if you're wondering if you are in that pile, then maybe hang out for a week. And if you don't get anything, let us know.
1: Absolutely. All right. We love you guys. We appreciate all your support. Again, like Brittany said, we could not do this without you. And we we love and appreciate you. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
2: Well, we're starting to see a little bit of a, a split happening in the Republican Party.
1: It's uh, nice to see, as they say.
2: Especially with the midterms coming up. yeah. yeah. It is very nice to see. And it started with Donald Trump and his many rallies that he's been having having, and they have been happening. It's just, you haven't been seeing them because they're not being covered as widely as they would have in the past. That's right. Which is very nice. Please keep doing that.
1: And it, seriously. <laughs> I, listen, I, and this isn't, this isn't related to this at all. It's related to the rallies. A lot of people are are complaining and wringing their hands and clutching their pearls about Jeff Zucker being uh, let go or forced out or quitting from CNN after a relationship was revealed. I'm not crying any tears. Mm-hmm. Largely, it's—I don't think it's a, 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 the, the preponderance of, of the blame, but certainly some blame does go to Jeff Zucker for giving Donald Trump hundreds of millions of dollars in free media time in 2016 by just covering his rallies from from opening moment to the end of the rally. Right. So. Uh, Good riddance, I'm not bummed about it. Now we can move on with with the actual topic.
2: Yeah, so we know that Donald Trump has both publicly and privately at the time urged Mike Pence to stop the counting of the votes. To
1: to send back the, 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 the certification to the states.
2: Right, and... Actually, this, this came out this past week that Trump wanted to use federal agencies to seize voting machines.
1: Yeah, not only, not only the military, but also the Department of Homeland Security and then also the Department of Justice.
2: Right. So he's kind of continuously been attacking Mike Pence for uh, not having the quote-unquote courage to do what should have been done to protect the country. And Mike Pence finally said something in response.
8: Former Vice President Mike Pence defended himself today from his old boss, in a way we have never before seen. It happened during a speech in front of a conservative group in Florida today. The response was to former President Trump's claim that Vice President Pence could have and should have overturned the 2020 election.
6: President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president.
8: Like I said, he went there. Former President Trump has been stepping up his attacks this week on his former vice president and the congressional committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Today, the Republican National Committee, Republicans, voted to condemn two Republicans, their own party members, over their role on that committee. The Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney and the Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger, two sitting senators in their own party, slammed the RNC's move today. Utah Senator Mitt Romney called it a shame on the party. The Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy tweeted bluntly, The RNC is censuring Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger because they are trying to find out what happened on January 6th. Huh? Both lawmakers defended themselves. Representative Cheney said in a statement, I do not recognize those in my party who've abandoned the Constitution to embrace Donald Trump. History will be their judge. I will never stop fighting for our constitutional republic, no matter what.
1: Well, it's good to hear, I guess... Mm -hmm. because there is a lot that Mike Pence isn't actually saying, that he's getting credit for saying.
2: Yeah, like Joe Biden is the rightfully elected president of the United States. Right. That That there was no widespread election fraud, for example. Exactly. Those are important things that he should have included.
1: So he wants to act like he's safeguarding our democracy, and to a degree he is, but he's not going far enough because he's still trying to placate the base in some misguided, dumb-dumb effort to maybe run for president in 2024.
2: Well, and we're starting to see that pattern popping up because Chris Christie also came out now. And remember, it's been been a year, okay? It's been over a year since the insurrection happened. These people have had all the time in the world to come out and make these statements, but they're making them now.
1: And we're going to get to that clip of Chris Christie joining Mike Pence but before we do, a word from today's sponsor, Noom.
2: One clear advantage of D.C. over Southern California is walkability. Though our cross-country move through a wrench in our daily routines, at least now we can simply open the door and go get some exercise. <laughs> Imagine walking to the grocery store in Orange County. Uh, No.
1: Exercise has been a primary focus of mine over the last six months since I started using Noom. Noom is not a diet. It is not simply a weight loss tool. It is a program that uses psychology and social science to change your behavior. We are so excited to have Noom sponsoring the podcast this month as it has helped me lose weight, exercise smarter, and feel better. Go to Noom.com slash I Doubt It to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today or simply click on the link in the show notes to get your health headed in the right direction.
2: Noom's super detailed exercise and food trackers give me a clearer understanding of how my effort is stacking up and where my calories are being spent. Wait until you see their food budget. You can even track your daily water intake and gain insights into your sleep habits. And you can do all of this in less than 10 minutes per day, thanks to Noom's use of cognitive behavioral therapy, dispensed in intuitive and insightful lessons. Cognitive behavioral therapy is an evidence-based practice that helps people gain a clearer understanding of their negative thinking patterns and triggers so they can better change their behavior. This is how Noom goes beyond just a diet.
1: Get your 2022 on track. Head to Noom.com slash I Doubt It to take your free 30-second Noom quiz today, or simply click on the link in the show notes to chart your path towards better health. And again, we want to thank Noom for sponsoring the podcast this month. It is fantastic, and we are very happy to have them on the team. Absolutely. So let's get into this Chris Christie thing, because it is... You're going to be hearing about this this week a lot. That there's a there's this rift in the Republican Party. That finally people are starting to come out and they are they are going against the party. Now, see, there's a difference here. That they're not overtly coming out against Donald Trump and his lies and his conspiracies. Now they're coming against the party machinery, and that's really. A different thing. Here's Chris Christie joining Mike Pence in rebuking the big lie. I think that the actions the vice president took on January 6th spoke loudly, and I'm glad he's finally put words to it. I don't know why it took him so long, but I'm glad that he did. Um, and let's face it, let's call this what it is. January 6th was a riot that was incited by Donald Trump, Uh, in an effort to intimidate Mike Pence and the Congress into doing exactly what he said in his own words last week, overturn the election. Now, he's tried to do a cleanup on aisle one here um, and correcting that stuff, but it's not going to change. He actually told the truth by accident. He wanted the election to be overturned. So that's about as far as you're going to hear anybody go
5: Mm -hmm.
1: in saying Donald Trump did something bad. That's, Mm -hmm. that's... And that's kid-gloving it right there. Mm-hmm. That's not a, an outright rebuke. That's mm, stating facts.
2: And that's because Donald Trump has the power, and also most Republicans believe there was widespread election fraud. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, we'll see, but hopefully, uh, the more leaders that come out, the more party stalwarts, party uh, followers, just random uh, everyday voters, Fox News viewers, mm-hmm. Newsmax viewers, OAN viewers, are going to maybe take a little bit of a turn, take mm-hmm. a detour on their f- full buy-in to the conspiracy
2: theories. Right. Well, and you have the criticism for the RNC on two issues. So it's the censure of Cheney and Kiz- Kins- Kinzinger.
1: I struggle with his name, too. I did a video about him today and mispronounced his name several times.
2: Well, it's more my reading problem. Uh, Kinsinger, Yes, Kinzinger. And the other issue is the legitimate political discourse regarding January 6th. And a surprising figure has come forward.
1: Just a few minutes ago.
2: Yes, to say that uh, that the legitimate political discourse characterization is misguided and that it was actually a violent insurrection.
1: Use the word insurrection, which is maybe a first for any Republican who's not Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger.
4: Is yeah, appropriate for the Republican National campaign censor two city members of Congress and also use the words legitimate political discourse in talking
3: about
9: January 6th? Well, let me give you my view of what happened January the 6th. And we're all, we're here, we're here, we, we, we saw what happened. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election. From one administration to the next, that's what it was. With regard to the suggestion that the RNC should be in the business of picking and choosing Republicans who ought to be supported, uh, traditionally the view of the National Party Committees is that we support all members of our party, regardless of their positions on some issues.
4: Do you have confidence in her, laura McDaniel,
0: as chairwoman of the committee?
9: I, I do, but the the issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's not the job of the RNC. Bunch of stuff there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have confidence in Rana Romney McDaniel? Who pause. has dropped the Romney, by the way.
2: Lengthy pause. Uh, uh,
1: uh, I do, <laughs> but...
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The pause speaks very loudly, mm-hmm. and so does the pause and then butt. Yeah. Because listen, Mitch McConnell doesn't just pop off, doesn't just talk extempor- extemporaneously off the top of his head.
2: Oh, absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Mitch McConnell, everything he says is- Calculated. Calculated and filtered through- um uh, someone a uh, 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 a press person mm-hmm. his 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 press secretary or his communications director someone is formulating and thinking about long term how these things are going to be perceived right so for him one to say that it 's a violent in a violent insurrection for the purpose of reversing the election and the peaceful transfer of power is a big deal now what you didn 't hear him say is implicate Donald Trump in that. Mm -hmm. That gives him some room here. Mm -hmm. It gives him maybe the ability to shield himself from the fire, the incoming fire that's going to be coming from Donald Trump tomorrow, most certainly in a statement.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the interesting things about what the Republican National Committee said in their censure of Cheney and Kinsinger is that they both, quote, support Democratic efforts to destroy President Trump more than they support winning back a Republican majority in 2022, which I think just kind of makes clear their priorities. Even Mitch yeah. McConnell was just saying, like, we don't punish people because they disagree on certain issues. As long as you're a Republican, you're in and you're good to go. Well, isn't that kind of the problem? I mean, there are now Republicans who are unhinged from reality, who are saying very damaging things for our democracy And are you going to take a stand against that or not? Again, it's been a year since the insurrection happened, and we're just now hearing trickles of, no, I didn't have the power to overturn the election. It would have been wrong to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do not believe that the insurrection is legitimate political discourse. I do not believe that Cheney and Kinzinger should be punished for their role on the January 6th committee. I mean they have had some time to come out and start trying to battle against this wave within their own party of people who are unhinged and believe widespread voter fraud occurred and that Joe Uh, Biden is not president.
1: Among other wacky and damaging, dangerous conspiracy theories. Absolutely. Up to and including racism and, and, and Holocaust denial and shit like that. Right. So what I'm waiting to see because when Mitch McConnell gave this statement, he was surrounded by Roy Blunt, and I think Susan Collins may have been there. There were some some leadership around him. Mm -hmm. What this does is it signals to other Republicans in the Senate, maybe even in the House, that it's okay to speak your mind. It's okay to say publicly that this was a violent insurrection, an attempted overthrow of the United States government. An attempted overturning of a free, of a fair, of a settled American election. Mm -hmm. Hopefully some Republicans, other than fucking Mitt, Mitt Romney, step up. And do the right thing.
2: Well, I also wonder if Mitch McConnell's statement today was partially motivated by the fact that as of yesterday, more than 140 Republican and conservative leaders, including several former members of Congress and government officials, came forward to condemn the Republican National Committee's censure of Cheney and Kinzinger.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Kinzinger. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering if he is starting to see that within the party, there is an appetite for coming out and stating plainly that the Republican National Committee is making the wrong moves here. And so it's politically expedient, essentially, for him to come out and make this this statement. Or at least safer. Yeah.
1: And we'll see. You know, listen, uh, Adam Kinzinger was on with uh, John Berman on CNN yesterday and flatly said, "Now, it's not surprising because he although he voted with Donald Trump over the course of Trump's presidency, 90.2% of the time
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: with Donald Trump, it wasn't like he was a always an opponent. Uh-huh. He said that he was the worst president the U.S. has ever had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell my kid Donald Trump was the worst president in the history of the United States of America, and that he's a cheat, and that he's a liar, and that he's a charlatan. These are all words he said, mm-hmm. yet... He, he didn't recognize it when all of us recognized it in 2015 and 2016 during the campaign. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was asleep at the wheel then and didn't notice that Donald Trump was all of these things then too.
2: That everyone else seemingly is able to recognize. Yes. <laughs> what took him so long?
1: Well, he didn't even vote for the first impeachment. So you know what? Kindly, maybe, I mean, welcome to, the, to, to reality, Adam Kinzinger. Yes. But maybe just shut the fuck up. A little bit.
7: Well,
2: you also have to wonder what what is motivating that. What's yeah. the what's the motivation there? Uh, well, see, that's
1: what I don't understand. It doesn't seem
2: to be pure intentions.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because they they just thought that Donald Trump, yeah, he's a dumb fuck, and but we're getting some things done. Maybe they truly didn't believe he was capable of something like January sixth, mm-hmm. when everyone else, Timothy Snyder from from Yale, wrote that book on tyranny Mm -hmm. the pamphlet you should read it Mm -hmm. i mean academics political analysts commentators podcasters like us we all recognized it what was deficient in the brain of a liz cheney and adam kinzinger that only now after the insurrection they notice yeah we'd love to know what you think about these and any other topics that are on your mind 657-464-7609. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at Dollamore.com. We sure do love you guys. We appreciate you. All your support is uh, a beautiful thing. We we every time we we come in to record, I look at the I, I write down on a piece of paper where we are. 775 episodes. Uh, next month, it'll be eight years wow that we've been doing the show
2: we need to plan some sort of anniversary show
1: uh we we need to Uh, seriously
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh eight years they they talk about pod fade that around episode seven or 14 like this vast majority of podcasts just go away because the people lose the motivation for it Mm mm-hmm and that, that likely would have happened to us if we didn't find an audience early, and it likely would have happened to us if we didn't have the passionate, intelligent, and um, solid audience that we have. Every sure. member of the audience. So great. So, Absolutely. We appreciate you guys very much. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt